anyone even suggests to watch that one, I <laughs> want to stand up and pee on my TV. Like. <laughs> Radio Drome. Welcome to another episode of Radio Drome. I am Josh Hadley, and this is part of the 1201 Beyond franchise. As we we just worm our way out, and I don't know how much continuity all of the shows. I'm not even going to do that anymore. Hey, hey, Cecil. Uh, I am the Dark Universe wing, apparently. Oh, so you're dead. <laughs> yeah, but, well, no, I just, I keep coming back. They're, they're trying desperately to make it work. We'll talk about that in a little bit. We have to introduce Peter first, who is, is sort of the spin-off that nobody wants to remember. I think I'm the, I'm the Flashpoint Paradox. I'm, I'm dead, but my father is, uh, reviewing videos, and my mother is, like, cameoing in them as, like, a sort of side character. And it's really awkward, because it's my dad, at his current age, reviewing, like, weird movies. And, uh, his, his child is dead, much like, uh, Thomas Wayne and, and Bruce Wayne. So yeah, that's, that's mine. It makes, it doesn't really make a lot of sense. But what does make sense is going to adamandeve.com. Use the promo code DROME, D-R-O-M-E. You will get 50% off of a single item, three free DVDs, a free sex swing, and free U.S. shipping. All for using the promo code DROME at adamandeve.com. So tonight we're going to talk about franchises, the, the continuity that... That some films just, some franchises just don't have. Because this week it was revealed that the Dark Universe is dead yet again. again. Yes. <laughs> now, I, I want to be very clear. I don't think the Dark Universe on paper was a bad idea. It was a stupid name, Dark Universe. On paper, having all of these modern universal monster movies linked to one another and, and in a, in a cohesive universe, that's not a bad idea. How freaking awesome was uh, Monster Squad? Like, I'd love to see more stuff like that, like more modern depictions Ironically of the enough, Universal Paramount. Monsters. Ironically yeah. enough, mm-hmm. that was Paramount. That wasn't even the Universal Monsters. That's actually why the monsters well, yeah. had to be changed for Monster Squad, so they wouldn't be sued by Universal. Yeah, but they were very clearly meant to be the, the Universal ones. But yeah, I mean, it, it works. It works. It still works in a, in a modern setting using those old old properties, so I don't know why they keep failing. I guess because they're trying to be too modern with it. I mean, the vibe I got with, like, Dracula Untold is it at least with the trailers I saw, it was very Twilighty, and then The Mummy tried to be too, like, obviously because Tom Cruise is in it, it tried to be very, like, Mission Impossible, over-the-top action kind of thing. That they're, They seem to be forgetting the spirit of these uh of these old monster movies. And I think that's why they keep failing is they they try to be too commercial and blockbustery with it and of course it plummets and fails and dies over and over again. Part of the problem with the way Universal did the Dark Universe was they were forcing it. They they were forcing all of these links with I mean Prodigium, the organization Russell Crowe ran. That was Shield. 
he was Nick Fury. They were literally mm. copying Marvel, but they were doing it so fast, they didn't let it grow organically. And Dracula Untold was a terrible way to start it. Thankfully, they knocked that out, but then the mummy didn't work. But remember, the Wolfman was supposed to be the first of these two, that there were actually the original cut of the Wolfman, the Benicio Del Toro one, had references to Victor Frankenstein and Vlad Dracul in it that were edited out of the movie. So that was supposed to be, that was the starting point. Then Dracula Untold was the starting point. Then The Mummy was the starting point. Why can't Universal make this work? They did it in the 1940s, but I think why is? In the 1940s, it felt organic. It didn't feel forced. Not even And it was when new. Ab- it was a new thing. It was a brand new concept and new characters. Right. I mean, even when Abbott and Costello ran into him, I hate to say it, it felt organic because those movies still felt like the monsters could exist in an Abbott and Costello movie. Yeah, they, they worked, um, like, like Peter said, it's that they weren't forcing it. They weren't, tr- you know, they, they just, um, were doing it. Now, the, the guy, uh, I'm totally blanking because I don't remember because it's been so long since I did my video on it. The guy who was in charge of Universal at the time had, you know, was pulling in all these monster ideas and was just making monster movies. Are you talking about, and, um, are you talking about Carl Lamel Jr.? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was just making monster movies because, like, that's what was popular and was tying them all in together because, you know, people would, if they saw one, they would go see the other one, they would go see another one, and it was kind of a way to pull all that together, and it worked because you had all these monsters together in the same universe, and there there were threads that held them together, but it wasn't the tie-in crossover stuff like comic books. Like, that's, I know we're going to get into it a little bit more, but the reason why the comic book movies work is because them being crossing over it's already written into the books so it's very easy to kind of transfer that over i mean just use the comic books as the storyboards and you know modify them as need be but it just it works more and it makes more sense whereas with the universal monsters they were trying to copy that formula and it just it didn't feel right it just didn't fit quite as well now the funny thing was i do think that with the mummy the most interesting part was the russell crowe dr jekyll and mr Hyde. Oh, easily. He stole that whole movie from Tom Cruise. That movie, it should, if they really genuinely, legitimately wanted to start the Dark Universe, they would have started with Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde with uh, with him and starting the Prodigium. Instead of jumping into it, you know, they just, they couldn't keep it in their pants long enough. They had to throw $200 million at it, get Tom Cruise, and really make this big over-the-top action film. Part of that, though, is the man who was going to be heralding all of the Dark Universe, and that was Alex Kurtzman. When you hire the guy who wrote Transformers 2 and 3 and is the showrunner on the train wreck that is Star Trek Discovery, do you really expect quality? Uh, I, you know, it. I don't understand what what people want like when they when they see something like that and somebody who's just churning out stuff and somehow it ends up taking off and and makes tons of money they just they only look at it from that perspective they're not looking at the quality perspective they're oh well he's obviously making x product and it's making this much money and somebody mm-hmm. wants it you know it it just uh it stinks and unfortunately once again you know we get a piece of crap uh you know a very expensive piece of crap it flops and then they try to do the whole we made it for the fans and it's like no, you didn't. 
Part of the problem with that that the Mummy has an overall problem that the Marvel movies have, and you can like the Marvel movies all you want, but this is very much an undeniable thing. None of the Marvel movies past, I want to say, maybe Iron Man two are about that movie. Part of them are about Guardians of the Galaxy 2 or the Avengers or Thor Dark World or whatever, but the bulk of them are about what seeds can we plant for later movies to the point where none, none of the Marvel movies that have come out in the last seven or eight years can be viewed as standalone. To the point where Disney tried to even integrate Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., the TV show, into it. To the point where if you wanted the whole story, you had to watch the TV show. Because, like, remember the post credit scene in Thor The Dark World where that creature got loose? Nothing ever came about that. Oh, because that storyline was handled on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And there were was it actually? Other... Yes. And there were, oh there were other things that are just kind of dropped off the movies. But, well, you got to watch the TV show, too. There, there would be, there was even references in Winter Soldier where if you wouldn't have got them if you didn't watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Disney has this thing where this whole big universe like a comic, but the movies should be able to be enjoyed on their own as well, which is one of the things that if you, if you do a franchise proper, you shouldn't have to have seen all of the other movies to enjoy a movie. For a TV show, that kind of seri- serialization and continuity is fine. For a movie, when you're paying 10 bucks to go see this, you shouldn't have to go rent the previous three just to be able to follow it. Well, in that regard, it's also kind of your fault if you hadn't seen them first, especially when something like the Marvel movies are all meant to be tied together. But I can see where you're coming from. It is getting to a point where every movie is not its own movie. It is just kind of a tie-in from the next one and the next one and the next one and kind of building up to the main event, which will be either Infinity Wars or it'll be the next Avengers movie or the next uh, big Guardians of the Galaxy movie. Like the next, it's, it's always leading up to the next big ensemble movie. All the Thor ones and then Guardians of the Galaxy and some of the Avengers all led up to like Thor Ragnarok and then you've got the ones that all led up to Age of Ultron and yada, yada, yada. I've enjoyed some of them, but it has been hard for me to find one that feels like it's kind of its own thing. Like I've, I liked a lot of the Iron Man stuff, one and three particularly, I thought was really fun. Winter Soldier I actually like as its own movie. I didn't even notice that there were like other little bits and pieces sprinkled in. It just felt like a good uh, sort of Cold War paranoia 80s uh, action movie. And I felt like that one showed Chris Evans' actual acting chops more than any of the other ones did. I liked that one a lot, and I've actually found myself revisiting it. But a lot of the other ones, like Ant-Man felt like filler. First two Thor movies felt like felt like filler. Even Civil War, which was meant to be a big one, I really didn't like. I felt like there was there was too much trying to over-explain the whole thing, and it's, oh, this was the collateral damage they caused, and introducing this character, and introducing that character, and then trying to appease you with a nice big action scene at the end, which by the end of it, it, it just fell flat for me. And it just felt like it was going to lead into the next thing. Like, Civil War to me just basically felt like the introduction to Spider-Man and Black Panther. That's kind of all it was. It was just, these are the new characters you'll get to see in these next movies, and here are the little glimpses of them you get to see in this film. It just felt very cheap, which, which is why I find... A a lot of the Marvel ones hard to enjoy. It's it's that that factor of well this this just kind of feels like uh, what does it remind me of? I was just thinking about it the other day. It reminds me of, of wrestling in the nineties, uh, like, like WWF, like the the Attitude Era or WWF Raw or whatever, or even in the eighties where the stuff you would see on weekly syndication was just kind of them talking shit. 
and a match here and there, and it would all lead up to the to the monthly pay-per-view or whatever. Like, the stuff you're seeing on TV is cheap, and then the main event is the big one. That's kind of what a lot of the Marvel movies are, and then it's like, well, it's a cheap little Captain America movie here sprinkled in. Here you go. Here's a little Thor movie there, and then, oh, Infinity War, and it's like, F- you. Just make a good movie. One of the problems with the interconnected universe thing in Marvel's case is is the actors. Robert Downey Jr., Chris Evans, etc. They only have so many movies in their contract. So you often wonder, like, in Winter Soldier, where the hell is Captain America? Why is <laughs> Thor not helping out? And you go, because they couldn't get the actors. Whereas in the comic books, those Wait, characters Wait, what, what did you mean up. to say when you said, uh, when you said Winter Soldier? Because you said, where the hell is Captain America? Where the hell is, where the hell is Iron Man? Okay. Where you go, because they couldn't get the actors. And that just rings as cheap. You know, it makes the universe feel cheap because you go, the entire world is in danger in such and such movie. I'm pretty sure Captain America would show up, but Chris Evans only has two more appearances in his contract, and we need those for Infinity War. And you go, oh, shut up. You know, that's not the way to do it. The problem with DC is they rushed into this. Not as bad as Universal No, they didn't. DC introduced the Justice League and goddamn email attachments for fuck's sake. They couldn't even get their own appearances. They were emailed into the movie. Literally. And it still worked, and the movie was profitable. It did not. You may not like it. There may be people who don't enjoy the movies, but they're doing well. They're doing well domestically. It's not even like a Transformers thing where they're only doing well internationally in China and some shit. They're doing well domestically and internationally. So clearly there are a majority of people who like it and they're doing it well. And I don't think they're rushing into it because remember the problem you said with the Marvel movies where it's like this big catastrophic event will be happening, but none of the other characters are showing up to help? In Man of Steel, it makes sense. Batman is retired at this point, and by the end of the film only is when Superman is actually kind of becoming Superman. In Wonder Woman, it makes sense. It takes place in fucking World War One. Batman hasn't been born yet. Superman is still on Krypton somewhere or some shit. Batman versus Superman, of course, you got this big catastrophic, catastrophic event that's happening. There's Wonder Woman. Batman has showed up. They're all together and, and, and fighting. And then you got uh, Justice League being introduced and everybody else is coming together that were all being introduced in Batman versus Superman. So they're kind of foreseeing, maybe not even intentionally, the problems that Marvel is making where every other movie is like, oh, well, this, this person's contracted and can't show up. And it seems like in the DC movies, it, all the characters have a part to play. And if they don't, it makes sense why they're not there. You may not like the movies, and I know a lot of the people that listen to this show don't like them either. F*** you, it makes sense. DC is moving too fast. Like, no, they're not. They no, they're introduced not. way too many they're things. They're not. In, How does that even in make Batman sense? Versus, in Batman vs. Superman, you got the time travel angle, and then you have you have the, the dream, which then turned out to not be a dream of Apocalypse, which turned out to be like the future. three hours and, long. Why not put as much as you could into it? Because yeah, why they, they were trying to catch your, up to drag, Marvel. No, they weren't. Why drag your feet, like Marvel's doing, it's and oh, we're going to have this movie. It was paced perfectly fine everything worked fine there was no reason no we're not we may be nuts and so are the other people that have enjoyed the movie and that love it and enjoy it and the people who keep paying to come and see them 
going back a little bit to the the Marvel thing, Marvel, what they're doing in the movies right now is what almost sank them the comic books in the 90s. In order to be brought up to speed, in order to follow everything, you had to buy this comic book and this comic book and this comic book. And there was this event going on. And you had to follow 50 gajillion things. And me- meanwhile, you're spending like hundreds of dollars on comic books to get this long, drawn out story that yeah. really could have been told in a lot less issues or a lot less movies and with this they spent a lot of money acquiring the marvel universe and so they want to make as many things as possible i kind of am happy that they're doing a lot of variety like initially i was happy that they did ant-man because i was like oh god they're they're gonna do like a a, you know a a smaller character that not a lot of people have heard Uh of but then you know that well i don't know how else to describe it but yeah they were doing a smaller character and then the movie ended up kind of being mediocre, so I was like, eh, because it was an Iron Man. Because it was a clone. script from the '90s that was originally meant to be uh, Michael Douglas as the younger Ant Man. Yeah, it, and then it, it, it also was, was a it also was a beat for beat remake of Iron Man, just with some of the words swapped out. But I mean, it was like you know, uh, Edgar Wright was going to direct it. He had a whole different thing that he was going to do with it, and it was really unique. And Disney, they didn't want to risk it. So they went the safe route, and then we ended up getting the mediocrity that it was. So yeah. the thing is, that's my problem with the Marvel movies in general. Now, I like the Marvel movies. Don't misunderstand me. I like a lot of them. I think that they are very fun. A lot of them are very forgettable. You watch yeah. them, you're entertained, and then you leave, and you're like, oh, stuff happened. You know, there's no there's no risks. There's no nothing ever, with the exception of, like, you know, with um, you know, Whedon's infamous for killing people. For the most part, there you never, re- like, at the end of civil war what happened it was like hey i'm not gonna sign this thing i'm not gonna i'm not gonna agree with you all right well we're gonna agree to disagree it was three hours to get to like to to nothing they're they're just they're not they're stretching everything out they're bringing characters back nobody's really ever like it, it just it's it's drawing everything out and with the DC movies, they're cutting right to the chase. They are not, they're not messing around. They're introducing new characters. They're not overstretching things. They're not putting out 15 movies a year. They're putting out a couple of movies a year that are really good and concentrated as opposed to an overflowing amount of movies and making them, uh, you know, mediocre and force, forcing you to have to see everything. And at the same time, for the, for the, the latest wave of Marvel movies as we're recording this, I think they took the wrong lesson from James Gunn. The Guardians of the Galaxy movies obviously were very successful and they were very funny. And I'm worried after seeing Thor Ragnarok because Thor Ragnarok was a goddamn sitcom that happened to have Thor and the Hulk in it. They, they were trying to ape the Guardians of the Galaxy style, and and I've never, even the Guardians of the Galaxy movies didn't have as many jokes in them as the new Thor movie did. They made Thor into a f***ing sitcom, and I think that's a dangerous mistake Marvel made, is going, let's just make it a comedy that has some action scenes in it. Technically, Thor is meant to be kind of funny, though. Like, I feel like he was too kind of brooding in his initial movies and Not even like in like this. Avengers I don't, and stuff. I don't think two minutes go by in Ragnarok without a pratfall or, 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 or a spit take or somebody making a snide remark. They I literally seen made it yet, this but... into, a, into a sitcom. I haven't seen it yet, but I do prefer like more kind of a jovial, arrogant Thor because he's he's a lot more like that in the comics than he is in like the first Thor and and uh, Dark World. Banner like, I would has rather... literal, literal physical humor pratfalls in this movie for God's sake. 
Oh man. I don't know. I haven't, I haven't seen it yet, so I can't really judge, but I do see where you're coming from. Even judging by the trailer, they are trying to make it very Guardians of the Galaxy-ish. Like it looks a lot like a, it looks like a James Gunn movie. Like it looks like he would have directed it. I was surprised when I found out he didn't. I think that's a mistake, but okay, let's leave the Marvel and DCs and Universals aside because we can harp on those all day. But what do you look for when there is a franchise? When it comes to continuity? Because that that's one of the points of a franchise. Not like a loose franchise like the American Pie movies where they just slap the name over any juvenile comedy and maybe have one character from the main film, which is usually Eugene Levy or like the National Lampoon movies or things like that. But an actual franchise that's supposed to be this film takes place after this film, which takes place after this film, and so forth. Do you think continuity is something that needs to be done, or do you guys fall in the whole, look, it's a dumb slasher movie, nobody expected it to be good camp, which I think is just dismissive and honestly infuriating. The Friday the 13th franchise. We'll go through the math in a little bit. I don't think anyone ever tried to actually make that a goddamn franchise. I think as far as Friday the 13th goes, they cared to a degree through the first four movies. Yes, they blundered a bit after the first movie where it's like it's meant to be five years after the first film, even though it says 1981, and the first movie came out in what, 79, 80? 80. Yeah, so that they kind of f***ed that up a little bit. But then the events of 2, 3, and 4 all do take place in the span of a few days. It it goes from Jason coming out of the woodwork to get his revenge. He's got his little shack. He's hiding out. You know, he, he's clearly kind of more of a survivalist kind of thing, killing anybody who trespasses on his property. Like, that's kind of his, his mission. And then he's found out about it. They actually find out about him. The cops are in the area, and he's sort of on the run. And now it's become more of a manhunt situation throughout parts three and four. It makes sense. And then he's finally put to rest by the end of it at the hands of weird, bald Corey Feldman and his machete. And then by that point, after four, it gets weird. They keep a bit of the continuity with five. You know, you got Tommy in the halfway house. He's very shell-shocked and f***ed up over the events that happened to him. And he's he's still dealing with all of it in his mind. And he got the whole imposter Jason thing. And that's obviously not doing too good for his head. Part six, he's trying to put everything into perspective. And he's trying to... um I guess get uh, closure by going and really digging up Jason's grave to see if he's actually dead because um, obviously the guy's dealt with some pretty heavy shit. He had his family murdered by the guy. He had a guy show up that was dressed like him that tried to kill him. And then now he's having nightmares about him. So it's like, he's got to make sure that he's really dead. Of course he brings Jason back to life inadvertently. Yada, yada, yada. He chains him up at the bottom of the lake. You could easily end the series there. And then he got part seven, which who the knows how long Jason's been at the bottom of the lake by this point. He's chained up. He's all bones and shit. You got Tina's father who ends up at the bottom of the lake too. They never found his body. If they would have, they would have also found Jason. Years and years pass after that. Tina's now a teenager and goes... It's going back to Crystal Lake with her therapist and her mother. It's now been changed back from Lake Forest Green like it was in Part 6 to Crystal Lake. We don't know what point in the series that actually is by now. It's got to be like like 1998 or 2001 oh, no, by then, okay. I think uh, you said. All right. I, I, I've got the math here. So what, What's the math? Let's let's go starting from part five. Well, okay, no, we got to go earlier. Okay, so the first film is 1980. The second film is five years later. So but technically 85. Two through four are 1985. Part, then the, the new beginning is six years after that. Part five is six years after part four, so that's 1991. Mm-hmm. And then 
Part 6 is four years after that, so we're at 1995. A New Blood is ten years after that, so we're at 2005. Then Jason Takes Manhattan is five years after Part 7, so we're at 2010. And then Jason Goes to Hell says, it it is 1993, but Jason has only been killing for ten years. So you go, what, wait, what? And then even with the, with the 2010 thing, Jason X specifically begins in 2008 with him frozen. So you go, what the fuck? <laughs> Hell is Freddy versus Jason taking place in all of this. I don't even know where Freddy versus even, Jason would like, fall. Where because- the hell would that be in the series? Is that supposed to be, like, between Jason Goes to Hell and Jason X? Yes. Just look after Jason X? Is it before? It's it's after Jason X, before Jason Goes to Hell. But Freddy vs. Jason has its own problems, because in the Nightmare on Elm Street movie, Springwood is in Ohio. Crystal Lake, even though it's a fictional place, it's in New Jersey. I actually did a Google Maps search. Even if it's at the edge of New Jersey, to get to where Springwood, Ohio would be, would be a 13-hour drive. They have Springwood, Ohio, and New... Crystal Lake, New Jersey, as neighboring towns. Jason's got some wicked f-ing cardio, man. I just, I just love all the way. I just love the the thought of Jason at the end of Friday the Thirteenth getting on a bus and going <laughs> all the way to Alice's house just to kill her. <laughs> In the middle of the city, and how did he know where she lived? With right, his mother's <laughs> carrying his mother's carrying head. His mother's head, and, and then he's a goddamn a ninja because you'll notice wearing he a put f-ing, a sack with one eye hole, and he's such a ninja that he's made it from one part of the part of America to another on a bus to Alice's house, <laughs> holding a decaying human head. Somehow, it probably doesn't smell too good. His way. Ninjas his way into her house, sneaks the head into the freezer for the purpose of her freaking out about it, just so he can sneak up and kill her. Like, he's a f***ing ninja. There's no way so, he's not to, to pull off something like that. It's, it's ridiculous. How pathetic is it of me that I did all this math earlier tonight? Oh, no, not at all. I mean, uh, I was working on something like that at one point. It's, it's kind of funny that, uh, I, I mean... The Friday the 13th series really was not... It wasn't planned to be, uh, you know, as ongoing as it was. It's just no, like, not at all. oh crap, it, it kept being, like, Paramount wanted it done. That's why, like, they, they did the, you know, the final Friday, but mm. the movie kept making money. That, so the only thing that they, they were embarrassed by the series, but they were like, well, we, movie keeps making us a lot of money. So they, <laughs> they just kept doing it. And finally they ended up selling it off to New Line, cause that's when they just got uh, to the point of where it was, uh, it, it wasn't diminishing returns, but it was not as popular as it once was. Well, it it was figured. diminishing returns, cause while they were still making money, the, the margin between budget and profit was shrinking with each movie. But what I'm saying is that they sold it at a point when it made sense, where they were still going to, you know, make a profit, but it was still a fairly popular series, which is kind of funny considering that there were eight of them and it was still making money. It, it, uh, that's kind of the, the mess of it. I mean, and now yeah. it's, no, no but they just kept I, having to make up reasons to keep bringing them back because people is, wanted to keep which, seeing these movies. Here. It's like they, they had to keep coming up with excuses and it got more and more ridiculous, which in a way it's impressive because it's, it's hard to make a long running movie series and still be profitable. I mean, there's only a few really, if you Think about it. But like with the Friday the 13th, 13th franchise, shouldn't it have been the the responsibility of each sequel and their writer and director and producer to say, we need to link this to the last one instead of just going, 
fuck it, we're just going to do whatever we want. Isn't it their responsibility? Like, in Part 6, when Crystal Lake gets renamed to Camp Forest Green, New Blood could have at least acknowledged this, that the Forest Green thing didn't work, not just, oh yeah, we're going to pretend it was never retitled to Forest Green. Th that's lazy. That's the same thing with, like, the Scanners movies. And Pierre David was involved in all five Scanners movies, so this is on him. Scanners takes place in 1980. Okay, at the end of the first Scanners movie, these two characters who just met in that movie, we find out in Scanners 2 had, had two children. The oldest of those children, they never, they never tell us exactly what year Scanners 2 takes place in, but it's sometime in the, quote, near future. Now, the actress who plays the oldest daughter was 38 at the time she made the movie. So let's give a little bit of leeway that she wasn't playing a 38-year-old. And let's also allow that the two characters from Scanners had her nine months after the events of Scanners. That means Scanners 2 takes place approximately around 2008 or 2010. Scanners 3 takes place immediately after Scanners 2 and is a direct sequel to Scanners 2, and they specifically say it's 1997 in Scanners 3. Then Scanner Cop, which was supposed to be a soft reboot, takes place, they don't tell us what year, but in the 1990s. And it says Scanners 2 and 3 never happened. But then in Scanner Cop 2, it takes place four years after Scanner Cop, but we're in the early 2000s now. And you go, what? Pierre David, you're not even trying to make these movies make any kind of sense. What the fuck, man? You are getting too upset about it. It's like, <laughs> most likely, I mean, with the exception of Scanners, I have a feeling more so with the Friday the 13th movies. I probably did, I probably put more thought into those years and the dates than the freaking producers did. Yeah, that's, that's basically it. More than likely with like the Friday the 13th movies and Nightmare on Elm Street movies, a lot of the people that were making the sequels probably didn't even see the movie before it. They just said, oh, we got the, here's the blueprint for, for Jason or Freddy and here we can go and do this and, you know, so uh yeah, here's the basic uh backstory use that yeah just just roll with it so uh and and the thing is too with a lot of those franchises you get somebody on board maybe they came from a special effects background they're now directing it's like they want to kind of put their own spin on it so they're going to focus on you know p making their own story doing things a little mm. bit differently they're not going to worry so much about the the years and to be perfectly honest it's not really until the internet that people really started talking about this stuff. It was just always, hey, did you see the new Friday the 13th movie? Oh my god, it was awesome, or oh my god, it sucked, or whatever. And there wasn't really this forum for people to get together and complain about the fact that the years are wrong. But okay, e even then... Look at something like the Universal Soldier franchise, where every other, where every film after the first film is said to have not taken place for the next film to say that then that one is not taking place when the next film comes out, comes out. Cause okay, you have Universal Soldier. Then you had two Showtime sequels, Universal Soldier 2, Brothers in Arms, and Universal Soldier 3, Unfinished Business. Those were the official sequels, and they were planning a TV series. But then you have Those Universal Those are really Sol freaking cheesy uh, taglines or, or titles or whatever. It was yeah. the early 90s, Brothers man. Brothers in Arms, back in action! It's so fucking <laughs> America. It, it's so early yeah. 90s. But, the, but then you have Universal Soldier The, the Return, which outright says 2 and 3 never happened. This is a sequel to the first film only. Okay, fine. Those were I TV didn't even movies. know that those two Showtime movies existed until like six years ago. I watched the them first run, time, man. I thought that the the, the return with uh, JCVD and Michael Jai White that was the direct sequel. I watched the, I watched the two Showtime ones first run. I remember the night those premiered. You know, mm. each one success. Oh, yeah. 
And then you have the return, which says those two don't take place. Then they wanted to reboot it because they weren't happy with the return. So then Regeneration comes out and says the return didn't take place, nor did either of the two sequels. This is a true sequel. So you just go, so basically every film in this franchise is a direct sequel to Universal Soldier without any of the other films in this franchise existing. That, to me, is not a franchise. That's a cluster f- <laughs> well, I mean, I love the Universal Soldier, the, the original. Let's let's just start from there. I that was one of the movies I would watch a lot as a kid. Um, I saw it in the theater. I was not old enough to see it in theaters, but I was young enough to rent it from a video store. And I remember my first time seeing it. We had uh, my family had just lived right down the block from like a local ma and pa kind of video store. I think it was like connected with the grocery store that was part of like our apartment, apartment building, like our high rise or whatever. I would go down there every now and then and just, just pluck a movie based on how cool the cover looked. And one of them, one of the ones I would constantly go back to watching was a uh, universal soldier. I really liked that one. I really dug the concept. Admittedly, Walker it, was cute as a button. Oh, admittedly, yeah. because it reminded me of the Terminator. Look, I know what a woman is, Josh. I know what <laughs> females are. All right. She's still really freaking cute. Sure. So is Van Damme's butt. Who gives a f***? We're talking about why the movie <laughs> certainly was <cool>. is. <laughs> you um, just want to see him eating lots of mashed potatoes. I do. Crack walnuts with that ace. I've been putting together this slop all afternoon. The food is good. <laughs> I just want to eat. <laughs> um, but I, I really like the first one a lot. So I was... Um, I was excited when I caught wind of uh, The Return, which was the Michael Jai White one and the, the one with Van Damme coming back as Luke Devereaux, as a much happier, well-adjusted Luke Devereaux for some f***ing reason. Even even seeing that as, uh, as young as I was at that time, I think I was still in elementary school when that came out because that was during, like, the big WCW pro wrestling boom on like it was on tbs or and you had guys like uh like goldberg showed up in the universal the return and i recognized him immediately like, ah, it's Bill goldberg and fight john claude van damme this is cool so i was super young when i saw that movie i remember when, when it was brand new i don't even know if it was was it theatrical or was it just made for tv no it was theatrical was it okay it, it was not it was like a 40 million dollar movie oh my god it, yeah, it, watching it, it was today, regeneration it and day of reckoning were direct to video those were yeah which is weird to me because those feel a lot more like theatrical films than the return does the return feels felt always felt very made for tv to me as much as i enjoyed it it doesn't feel like a true sequel though when you actually put uh, two and two together with the first movie and and the way van van damme's character felt at the end of the first one where he was obviously very aware of what he was that he was this re regenerated corpse um he wasn't he wasn't cracking jokes or anything like that and then in the second movie he's completely well adjusted He's basically just Van Damme playing himself. So as much as I enjoyed the return, mostly for Michael Jai White, like I, I was always a, a big fan of his. Like I, I saw the return almost entirely because I found out that random WCW wrestlers were going to be in it and because the guy from Spawn was going to be in it. So it's more of a testament to that. But when I saw Regeneration, I felt like that was more, a lot more of a true sequel to the original because you have Devereaux kind of in recovery and he's trying to make sense of what's happened to his life. 
And then obviously he's forced back into, back into action because you need one of the original unisols that have this knowledge and this skill, uh, to take out the immediate threat of the, the new ones or whatever that have taken over Chernobyl or whatever the plot was. It was a pretty thin plot for regeneration, but it just had a lot of really kick-ass, uh, action and cinematography. I, I love that movie. And then Day of Reckoning came out and it, it feels like they kind of decided, nah, regeneration doesn't really work. Let's just have it where Devereaux became evil after the first movie. And he has an army of Unisols and he kills uh, Scott Atkins family. But uh, actually, he he's also a Unisol himself. And Dolph Lundgren shows up. Dolph Lundgren showed up in Regeneration, too, even though he's fed into a fucking wood chipper at the end of the first one. That doesn't yeah, make a lot say, of there, sense. There's nothing for Dolph Lundgren to, uh, to come back. No, nothing. <laughs> Look, absolutely. I mean, nothing. I get it. The characters are zombies, but there even, needs to be the something fucking, to zombie. Even, even the ear necklace he was wearing, there wouldn't be anything left of that. Well, it, those were his ears anyway. Anyway, so I, I could kind of forgive that because it's like, okay, they want to tie it in and they want to have Lundgren as a kind of villain in regeneration, even though he was really more of a glorified cameo. Like he was there just to have a, a cool fight scene with Van Damme. And then Day of Reckoning, he's back, but seemingly as a different character. Like I don't, I forget if he was actually referred to as Andrew Scott in uh, Day of Reckoning. The point with the Universal Soldier movies is none of them have continuity with one another and you know if they make another one they're just going to say oh yeah all of them don't make don't this count. This is the we're true just, we're just sequel. Having a, yeah we're just having another sequel to the first film. It's a lot like uh, it's a lot like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh yeah. In, in a big yeah. way it's, it's almost exactly like it where every freaking sequel they're like nah that doesn't really work. Let's, let's uh, make a sequel to the first one again or let's remake the first one again or let's make a prequel of the first one again. Now that prequel fair, didn't make sense. Let's make this prequel. Okay, to, this is to, the real okay. sequel, and this is the real prequel to the sequel. It makes no sense anymore. To be fair to Texas Chainsaw Massacre, one, two, and three all acknowledge each other. Well, they I mean, you know, three, to a, to the, three acknowledged that two existed, and two acknowledged that one. It wasn't until New Generation that the continuity of that franchise just went out the window. It was completely clusterfucked after that. It, at least with the first three movies, there's a sense of evolution to the character of Leatherface, where he's very childlike in one, in two, he's like a horny teenager, and in three, he's, oh, he's going through puberty in two. Um, and in three, he's more kind of like a rebellious, uh, almost like an eight, 18 year old in his mind anyway. And you, you can, it kind of makes sense. Like he's going from kind of family to family. It doesn't necessarily make sense in chronological order. And then he but becomes it makes a girl in, in part four. It makes sense in like sequel order. Like you can see his character evolving. And then in part four, it's, it's clearly just meant to be like a soft reboot. Like, it feels more like a bad remake than a sequel. Kim Hinkle, the writer, outright said that this is the true sequel for New Generation to Ugh. the original. And it's like, wow, just <laughs> screw you, Kim Hinkle. You're an idiot. <laughs> so you mean that Leatherface wasn't a handsome, misunderstood uh, kid that was separated from his family and he didn't want to kill, but he oh. was just brought up to be a monster. Come on. Is that the new one? Is that the one yeah. with Leatherface? Yeah. Oh. yeah. He, he, he looks, the, the Leatherface face in that looks like one of the one direction kids Are you like fucking kidding me yeah at, no. well, there's this there's this big fat oof that like is the red herring but it's so blatantly ridiculously obvious that he's not leatherface that it's like that it's the 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 handsome you know kid that doesn't want to kill anybody it's i am so, so bad of this trope why it's it's one of two things in horror it's either a big dumb 
fucked up retard that's seven feet tall, <laughs> or it's or it's a fucking handsome guy. Like you you can't have any in between. Apparently, he's either like autistic and doesn't know that he can't die, or he's like handsome and misunderstood. Go f- yourself. With the TCM franchise, the worst, yes, Cecil is 3D. Because in that, they specifically say the original takes place in 1974 when it did. They have it take place in the 70s. The main character is a little baby (laughs) who's 19 in 20, in 2015. Wait, but isn't that one meant to take place in the 80s? No. She has Wasn't that like the 80s or the early 90s? The that one? She uses a cell phone. The oh, internet God, exists. I must not have been paying attention at all. No, it was Th- like, that, it that was... movie basically says, please don't think about the math too much. It was oh, like, geez. they were only off by a couple of years. It was like a couple of decades. It was <laughs> 19 years to 1974. Yeah, we're only a couple of decades off. Couple of years. You know what? You gotta, sometimes you just gotta like ignore the little things. It wasn't a good Get movie. Get him, cuz. That was oh, a f- really, really bad movie. Oh, uh, for fuck's sake. It wasn't, it wasn't that bad. But and now, they, and l- the getter, believe me, oh, like I was saying about the, in, a, in my Leatherface review, you think the get him, cuz, or welcome to Texas motherfucker was bad. In this, it's, we're from Texas. This is Texas. We do Ugh. things differently down here in Texas. I'm not defending any of the other, like to me, the worst one will always be four. Next generation will always be my, I will always, uh, anytime, Anyone even suggests to watch that one, I want to stand up and pee on my TV. Like, (laughs) so I'm not completely saying, I'm not saying 3D is the worst one. Far from it. I would rather watch that one. At at least New Generation has Matthew McConaughey in just such a batshit beautiful performance. He's the only reason to watch that one. But even that one, like, like, god damn, Viggo Mortensen and Ken Forey overshadow him in 3, yes. But let's talk about franchises that start off properly and then go off the rails continuity-wise, like the Alien franchise. Alien takes place in 2122. Aliens takes place 57 years later in 2179. And Alien 3 takes place very shortly after that, so 2179 still. Okay, Alien Resurrection, they don't give us a year, but they they refer to the events of Alien 3 as 200 years ago. So let's say 2379-ish. Okay, then you have AVP and AVPR. As much as you don't want to, they are in the continuity. So you go, okay, but but the worst is what Ridley Scott is doing. Okay, Prometheus 2089, okay, fine. It's with Covenant. There were no xenomorphs before 2104 when Covenant takes place. That David created them. Created the eggs. You know what you just said, right? That AVP and AVPR take place in the same franchise? How the hell would Covenant exist then? Exactly. I'm getting to that. I'm getting to that. Xenomorphs to me in that ice pyramid. I'm getting to that. Mm -hmm. But then, okay, so Covenant is in 2104 and he creates all of this. That is 18 years before the events of Alien. Remember, the derelict ship in Alien had been crashed there not only so long the contents had become fossilized, but Ash has a line about the signal, the warning, has been traveling through space for millennia. Oh, my God. And Ridley Scott assures the audience the next Alien film will absolutely link up, and he said there'll be no continuity problems. And I'm saying, unless f***ing time travel is involved, (laughs) you do not get to link up, you son of a bitch! In Um, my opinion, the true canon of the Alien franchise is linked with Predator 2. 
You yeah. have the Xenomorph skull there. They were going to do a crossover. And the reason why I feel like this makes sense canonically, every Predator film has been linked in canon. Predator 1 and 2 are perfect companion pieces. Even Predators alludes Predators to the... Predators references it, them a lot. It references yeah. Predator 1. It references um older characters and shit. It makes sense as a Predator 3. It actually feels like it's... Is it meant to take place in the future, or is it actually like current events? It. They mentioned the war in Afghanistan, okay. which, was, which was relatively new when the movie came out. So it's meant well, to be uh, like... Our in the, involvement in it. It's meant so. to be in the 2000s, and the only reason yeah. why there's like futuristic technology is because they're on like a big game planet Predators put them on, which makes sense. That, that links them together nicely, which which is why, in my opinion, Ridley Scott is an idiot. None of his, like, ideas of, of like, expanding this universe or, or giving us the reasons as to why the aliens uh, have existed or why they were created is stupid and makes no sense. His new movies are not being well-received. Nobody really likes Covenant. Nobody really likes Prometheus. People, even if it's a, a little bit divisive when it comes to Predator 2, it's a generally loved movie. People love Predator 1. Predators was pretty goddamn well-received, and the, the one that's coming out now is meant to be a, a direct sequel to Predator 2. So these, this is a series, at least the Predator movies, not to, if you, you want to, I personally like to ignore the AVP movies and uh, anything after Alien 3. And when you get the Predator movies together, they're a nice combined package that make a full circle. There, there's a, there's a constant chronological order to it, there's a continuity to it, and you have a f***ing xenomorph skull in Predator 2, a great film. Aliens was a great film. The first Alien was a great film. Predator was a great film. Alien 3, it depends on who you are. I thought it was pretty good. And Predators was nice. These three films very easily exist, in, and I'm making a circular motion with my hands that the audience can't see. It's very Jeff, Go Jeff uh, Goldblum, but it all makes sense in a circular, a perfect circular motion. And when you throw in Alien Resurrection, and when you throw in Prometheus and Covenant, none of it makes sense anymore. This this well, used to be a perfectly good shared universe. Even if the shared universe movies didn't work, it still works together. And in my opinion, Predator movies have been far more consistently better as a series. As good as Aliens was, Predator 2 was just as good. Predators was better than Alien 3. And I'm sure the Shane Black Predator sequel that's coming out is going to overshadow the out of Alien Resurrection. So as far as I'm concerned, Ridley Scott, you can go fuck yourself. Ridley specifically says the next film will link up with Alien. Do you agree with me that the only way that can happen with an 18-year gap between these movies and continuity and the ship needing to be there so long it's fossilized and the signal traveling through space for, for millennia, the only way is if he introduces time travel to this franchise, which I'm going to say it right now is fucking stupid. <laughs> Here's here's the thing, like, when I saw Prometheus, I really genuinely, legitimately enjoyed Prometheus. Because it's not an time, alien, yeah. it's not an alien movie. And that was really what it was being set up as. It was not an alien movie. And I had a lot of people that were complaining that were like, well, this, this, was, you know, what's it an alien movie? And I'm like, right. It Was it called Alien Prometheus? No, it was called Prometheus. It so, was just set in the same continuity, and that was fine. Right, and that was fine. And then they did Alien Covenant... And I kind of had the problem with it where they're like, well, it's it's uh, it's supposed to be not an alien movie again. And I'm like, well, then they shouldn't have called it Alien Covenant. I'm like, <laughs> because then now you're making it an alien movie. And yes. because everyone 
I hated Covenant. I Me too. Two I was videos, and so did I. I, I was I, offended I, by that movie. <laughs> it's so split down the middle. Like when I put my video out, like I was pissed, and I had all these people that were like, "Oh, you're just being divisive and saying that you'd hate you sucks." And I'm like, "Wait, what? What? People like this?" And then I went Rotten Tomatoes, and it got like a it got a fresh rating, and critics were calling it brilliant. And I'm like, "This movie sucked." I was <laughs> I was infuriated. So I was like, they completely pissed all over like everything that was alien. I had to put another video out clarifying my previous video because I was like, look, I want to express how bad this was and what was wrong with it. Like, I didn't really think it was going to be, I, I thought that it was just going to be like, an, ah, yeah, people kind of agree. Because that movie was so split and uh, it seems that critics really liked it but a lot of audience members didn't like it so fox was like okay we're not gonna do that and then ridley scott's like i don't think that there's any life left in the alien franchise and it's just like you are a f***ing moron because <laughs> let it dry if you go and look at all of the dark horse comics and all of the books that have been written there are plenty of stories out there that are good that you can do within the alien universe instead of your for whatever reason making david god oh, and man. like he just his has this fer his ferociously retarded yeah. new adaptations oh my he has this massive god. heart on for that whole thing and it's so bad like I, awful. If if I if I could, I would. I get you know, it's not worth it for me because Fox will just issue a takedown on it. But mm. if I could put together a, a video, like basically showing how Covenant was beat for beat a combination of alien and aliens only done stupid that it's like they had you know they they ended by blasting the alien out of the out of the airlock i'm like are you so, cecil, cecil you don't get it that that's called homage <laughs> no there's a different Didn't they call like danny mcbride's character texas or some shit that's yeah, something like that it was yeah. like it was the dallas was the original guy and they called him like southern man yeah, it was a oh, fucking was cowboy hat. They had to make so... it as obvious as possible. God, that was yeah. bad. And then I, I loved, and it's like, hey, we're going to, uh, you know, we're, we're on this spaceship that's going to go to the, this planet where uh, we're going to colonize it. But we're only going to have one landing vessel. To, to candle the thousands of people to take them to the surface. And, uh, just and we're so not going to wear spacesuits when we yeah, check we're not out the wear planet. Suits. We're going to separate and, and, you know, we're going to, we're going to, you know, on this alien planet where we don't know anything, you know, and then we're going to go, uh, with the, with the, 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 uh, the android and he leads us through a, a town, a city of dead people. And no one is suspicious. Nothing to see here, citizen. Perfect Nothing to planet. see here, citizen. Perfect planet to colonize. Nothing bad happened here. Yeah. Oh, shit. Uh, Even if stuff in there that just makes no sense logically, like Billy Crudup's character just saw David talking to one of the Xenos and trying to calm it down and being all in a fit when he shoots it. And then he goes, come here, I've got something to show you. And just Billy Crudup just puts his face right over this thing that very much looks like this. And then, oh, uh, what, you're surprised something evil happened? Why? <laughs> because you're stupid? Oh, please don't remind me of the f***ing scene where the, you see the xenomorph come out of the guy's body and it stands on its hind legs. And it's fully grown. That oh, was God. the stupidest thing I've I, seen. You, you okay. got it to do I, I, actually, I, I actually expected in the theater, the way that thing stood up so straight, that it was going to salute him. Either salute him or start doing the thing from Spaceballs, the, hello, my darling, <laughs> my hello, honey, my hello, my baby. No, because at that point, <laughs> Warner Brothers would have sued. I had, I had somebody argue with me about that where it was like you see why he trusted david was 
because uh, they've been living with androids and synthetics for all these years, and synthetics are never allowed to harm humans, so he knew he was safe. And I'm like, you know what? Like, there comes a point where just intuition would kick in and be like, you know what? I'm going to bring another person with me just to be on the safe side. I don't I don't or, think or, it's really a good idea to go down into the basement after I just saw you talking with this alien and the dead body of one of my flight crew is standing right is laying right next to you headless you know, with headless. no head. It was they were they were morons. They made yep. they, these are the best of the best that are going to go and colonize another world, and they pick morons. <laughs> well, I mean, it even it even comes down to like the characters up on the ship. Okay, first of all, it's stupid to have them. Well, they're all couples. There's a reason you don't have people in romantic relationships go on dangerous missions together because they do exactly what people in Covenant would do. The ship, remember, is telling them we cannot go in the atmosphere; it'll kill the ship. Well, I ain't leaving them down there. Override all the protocols. I gotta get to my wife. Uh-huh. That's why you don't have couples on missions that's not even really like a gripe that's just bad writing it's overall and and anytime i argue with somebody especially about like the weird albino xenomorphs or whatever and how dumb they were people are like well those are protomorphs you don't get it i'm like i do get it i'm absolutely acknowledging what they are they're fucking stupid here's the thing it makes no sense that like the black xenomorph that we're the most accustomed to is like the perfect evolution of that thing when it it takes like a full fucking clip to kill the white one yeah and on the top of that original xenomorph you just shoot it with with it with it like a typical space marine rifle and it dies its head comes apart and on top of that the protomorphs they have a better ingestion method it's yeah. like they have they go in through your you know you breathe it in or it goes through your ears or whatever too. Yeah. and they're faster they're they 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 actually come out of you in a matter of hours instead of a matter of days they don't it's, seem to be uh they're not irrational like the xenomorphs are they're fucking just the xenos are animals they've always mm-hmm. been animals they don't think they just lash out at you and try to take your head off they've they've always been more of like a parasitic kind of thing so it makes no sense that they're meant to be this like thing that's created out of a out of a synthetic in this weird testing no they're just like a universal parasite that like latches on to other light life forms and takes them over like that a universal how does does that not make more fucking sense a universal parasite that has existed for millions of years before David, but apparently Like a parasite not, no. would. Ridley Scott also expected us in Covenant to just buy things because I told you so. Yeah. Like, when Walter and David are fighting, and then dun-dun-dun, it turns out that what the character we thought was Walter that got back to the ship is really David. Oh, it was oh, so, so goddamn so, obvious. So, so, it was so obvious that it was David. So David was able to melt his hand exactly the same way, put the cut on his face the same way, the hole in his neck, and change clothes literally in a matter of minutes that's all he was gone from that fight before what's her face ran out yeah mm-hmm. and you go oh shut the f- up ridley scott <laughs> but okay to get back to our topic covenant is a giant f- you to aliens continuity isn't it because covenant is no a matter giant, what ridley says covenant is a giant f- you to filmmaking in general <laughs> it is okay then 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 to go back to, like, the Universal Soldier thing, what about, like, the Godzilla franchise? You had all these films come out, and then in the Godzilla 1984 or 1985, depending on what country you're in, said, none of those other films existed. This is a sequel directly to King of Monsters, and that's it. Then you have sequels to that one, fine, like Biolante's a direct sequel to 85 and so forth. Then in Godzilla 2000, that says, no, 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 now all of those, 
including 85, Biolanti and all that, didn't happen. This is a direct sequel to all of these. And you're like, oh my god, you're pulling a Universal Soldier with the Godzilla films? Some are in continuity, some aren't. Some are, some aren't. Look. Dude, we need a whole hour to discuss the continuity of the Godzilla films. You know, you know how many f***ing movies there are of those? We need a whole show dedicated to that shit. And technically, if you go by the years given in the in the movies, also remember, all Monsters is the, the fucking, finale. Let's 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 not forget the Matthew Broderick Godzilla actually does take place in the Toho universe because they introduce him because of into Final Destroy Wars. All Monsters or whatever it was. Uh, uh, no, in in Final Wars. Final Wars, yeah, where he. King Zilla actually fights with classic Godzilla, and and they mm-hmm. they refer to like, oh, it's it's a monster they thought was Godzilla, but it's actually like some other lesser creature. So it's like even the remake somehow takes place in this like weird chronological order. I'm not getting into this one. This is this is too. We need a whole fucking episode to dissect this one. <laughs> okay, but but my point is to to round this out then for the end of the night. When a franchise is out there, or even a, a burgeoning franchise, like to link this back to Dark Universe. Does there need to be a well thought out guideline at the beginning or like Friday, the, like the Friday the 13th movies prove just make it up as we go along? Because like with the universal, the, like with Dark Universe, as much as we think it mummy was terrible they had actually plans on how all of these movies would link together and how russell crowe would be in all of like the next four or five movies that were going to be coming out they at least had a plan it was a bad plan but it was a plan whereas the friday the 13th are just making it up as they go i think you should just make it up as you go that seems to be the, the tried and true freaking um way for success that's what friday the 13th did that's what Halloween did. That's what Nightmare on Elm Street did. That's what a lot and of Halloween the... also gave us the Thorn Cult. So come on. Well, yeah, Texas Chainsaw Massacre that worked. Well, James Bond was technically based on books first, so you already had something that was profitable to work with. Saw that's how it worked. I don't think they intended to make Saw into a fucking franchise. Oh, nope. I, I, actually, actually, with the Saw movies, every franchise b- because they have to keep Jigsaw alive in those yeah. prequel upon prequel upon prequel, they get so muddy that you go, wait a minute. Now the first film doesn't even make any sense with all this prequel <laughs> nonsense. Halloween wasn't meant to be a fucking franchise. John Carpenter just wanted to do like a different Halloween-inspired film every year. It was meant to be more like, okay, you had the Michael Myers thing first, then you had Season of the Witch, then you'd have something else. But but the character of Michael Myers seemed to be so profitable and so iconic right away that you get sequel after sequel, and they have to come up with ideas. How do we bring him back this time? Uh, what's his motivation now? All he wants to do is kill his family. Uh, uh we got to get a niece. Uh, 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 he makes his own family members because he's part of a cult, and it just gets convoluted and it's like okay this is not making sense now we've got to make h2o uh now he's got to fight buster rhymes uh now rob zombie's <laughs> gonna do it it's like it gets more and more ridiculous but this is proof that it's profitable because people want to keep seeing it and it's not intentional it is completely just playing it by ear so they're making sequel after sequel because people actually want to see it that's where the mummy had had it up or just the in general dark universe kind of thing because they're like yeah of course people are going to want to do this let's immediately start it like it's going to be an extended universe and that's where they failed they should have just made a monster movie for the sake of making a monster movie and it's like okay this did well make the next one let's make the next one let's make the next one and just keep going based on profit by profit margin and by audience reaction to it and, and people actually talking about it and spreading the good word about the film. This is why all these other franchises did so well, even though they're, they're chronologically incredibly 
looking confused. They did well because people wanted to see them. You put out the Friday the 13th. People were like, oh, this was cool. This made a lot of money. So Paramount's like, all right, we want you to make another one. So they make Friday the 13th Part 2. This time it's got Jason. They got to think of an excuse why he's going to go to the next town over from Crystal Lake to go kill Alice. And it's like, okay, well, that did well. Friday the 13th Part 3 now. Okay, now Part 4. Now Part 5. But, but, but Part 4 was the final chapter. F*** you, it did well. Part 5. Okay, new beginning. Jason lives. Uh, new blood. Jason takes Manhattan. And Jason in space. They had to keep making them because people kept wanting to see them. And that's what makes sense in a, in a profit sort of way. It doesn't make sense in a chronological sort of way. But it's still better because each time they were actually trying to make a good entertaining movie rather than immediately try to make something that was an extended universe without even knowing if people wanted to f***ing see that in the first place. The, um, the, the, Marvel movies have been making so much money that that's kind of the big thing is they, they're not looking at it from the movie perspective. They're looking at it from the money perspective. And instead of focusing on making a good movie first, and then like Peter said, make the good movie first, and then if that ends up being successful, then you can continue. They have these grandiose plans that they're going to make. Oh, it's going to be this. And they're going to have tie-ins and TV shows and this, that, and the other thing and all kinds of merchandising. And then what happens? It fails miserably. And then they have to go back to the drawing board. So if they would have just focused on making a good movie first, and then that would have made a crap ton of money. And then people would have been more interested in that. They would have had an easier time getting the sequel because it's like, okay, people want this. Now we know what we can focus on and continue that going forward. Instead of making Making this whole big grand thing that ends up failing time after time. Where can we find Peter not being part of a franchise, but doing his own thing? You can find me doing my own thing on Twitter at Cinematica, on uh, Facebook, The Cinemasticist, on YouTube, The Cinemasticist, and on 1201beyond.com. I should have a new video out soon. It was meant to be a Halloween episode, but, you know, as as it goes, life gets in the f***ing way. Yeah, I, I wish you happy Halloween in it, so we'll see how that plays out. <laughs> Where can people find Cecil? Uh, you can find me at goodbadflicks.com as well as goodbadflicks on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Twitch, as well as 1201beyond.com. And look at that, 1201beyond.com is where I am as well, plus 1201beyond at gmail.com. Guys, try to be a cut above, keep one foot in the gutter, one fist in the gold. Have a good night.
Radiodrome is a 1201 Beyond production. Find it and other great content at 1201beyond.com.